book of Psalms, the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm. It's probably a psalm that some of you have memorized. Anybody got it memorized and want to quote it to us this morning? Anybody feeling that brave? Boy, look at all the hands. Wow. So many people want to. <laughs> you know, the number one fear of people in America is speaking in public. Did you know that? Probably all of you believe that. So I won't call on anybody this morning to quote it from memory. But it's a great psalm to, uh, to learn and to apply in your life. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Hey, let's read this together. We can do this out loud. We won't be embarrassing, will it? Let's, let's read this out loud together. And even if you have a different version, just read your version. It'll be okay. It works. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a really good psalm, isn't it? Amen. You know, we, we tend to have that psalm read at funerals, and, uh, and that's a good place to read the 23rd Psalm. But it's also a good psalm to, to teach from, to preach from. It's also a good psalm just to read every day. Uh, to find the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> you know, God, God presents himself to us in many ways. Uh, one of the ways he presents himself is as our father, our father. Now, some of you had great fathers growing up. Some of you had amazing fathers growing up. Uh, they were present in your life. They, they talked to you. They cared for you. They, uh, they fed you. They clothed you played ball with you, all those things, whatever it was, had tea parties, you know, whatever it was for you, you had good fathers. Some of you had fathers that really weren't that good. They weren't really present in your life a lot. And then some of you didn't have fathers growing up. You um, maybe grew up with your mom or your grandma or your aunt or somebody, and you just didn't have a father present in your life. You know that 40% of teenagers today, that is people 20 and under, this generation, 40% are growing up without a father in the home. Did you know that? 40%. And so they don't have that father presence. So when we talk in church about father, there's a whole generation that really doesn't understand what a good father is. They may understand what a really bad father is or, or an absent father, but they don't understand a good father. Well, God also presents himself as <clears throat> a shepherd. Now, that's a term we don't use much. How many, of you, uh, how many of you have sheep at your house? Anybody? Anybody got sheep in the backyard? Yeah, I've got a squirrel, and I got, I got two chipmunks in my backyard. And I'm pretty sure there's a skunk somewhere because I smell him. I haven't seen him. And there's about 12 deer that wander through my yard every night about 4 in the morning. I don't know what they're looking for at 4 in the morning, but they come through as a herd of them. Right. So there are critters in your yard, but 
Sheep aren't one of them, right? And so we don't understand sheep because we don't have sheep in our yards. We don't, we don't know what a shepherd is anymore because we don't have shepherds in America like it talked about in the Bible. But in the Bible, a shepherd was a very important person to the sheep because without a shepherd, the sheep were lost. They, they wouldn't know where to go. Without a shepherd, the sheep would be attacked by wolves. There would be nobody to defend them off. Because here's the thing about sheep. Sheep are kind of dumb. They really are. They're just, they're, they need somebody to lead them. They need somebody to show them where to go and when to eat and how to eat and where to drink and where to lay down and when to rest. They need somebody to tell them those things. And you know, we're, we're just like sheep a lot of times. We need somebody to tell us when it's time to rest, don't we? Amen or oh me? The older you get, the more you realize how much rest you need, right? It's like you're a teenager, you sleep five hours a night, you're up, you're ready to go, and, you know, you're, you're a three-year-old, and you never take a nap. What's up with that, right? right? You try to get your three-year-old to take a nap, and they just won't do it. You get to be 29 like I am, and you look forward to a nap, right? <laughs> Amen? Well, here's a psalm that's describing for us our Father in heaven in another term called a shepherd, someone who wants to guide sheep that sometimes don't know what's best for them. And that's the way sheep are sometimes. So let's take this and look at it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Janice, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not your shepherd. I'm sorry. He's yours. How do you know? I know. You know? How do you know? Born again, that's right. You've chosen him to be your shepherd. That's right. We talked about that last week. When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to Jesus being a shepherd in your life, to someone who guides you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, a good shepherd would guide the sheep to places to eat and places to drink so they didn't have, they didn't have any, any lag. They didn't need anything. And if we'll trust our shepherd... Jesus, if we trust our shepherd in our life, he will make sure that we won't have want of anything. Now, there may be things that we would like to have, right? And this time of year, we all have our Christmas list, right? I've got a Lamborghini on my Christmas list. <laughs> Bright red with black racing stripes down the middle of it uh, with, with a 20-speed 20, 20 transmission, right? I just want to go through all of them. Skip this three-speed, four-speed, five-speed. Give me 20. Nah, 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 nah. Dwayne, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'll let you drive mine sometime when I get it. That a deal? We all have a Christmas list. Do what? Not to hold his breath. That's true. That is true. We all have a Christmas lists in our lives. But God gives us the, the things we really need in our lives. Isn't that great? Our shepherd gives us what we need. He said, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He doesn't suggest it. He makes me lie because he knows we need to rest. You know, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created them in six days. And on the seventh day, he did what? He rested, right? We all need a day of rest, all of us. And sometimes during the day, you need a moment of rest. You need to let your brain be still and just say, you know, God's got this. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now, but God's got this. 
And that's what it means to rest. That's what it means when God says, he makes me lay down in green pastures. He says, Jim, just let it go for a minute. Let it go. Quit worrying about all these things for just a moment. Let me have this. What does it say in the Bible? It says, casting all your cares upon him because he cares for us. He cares for you, right? That's what the scripture says. So there are times during the day when you are about to pull the last hair out of your head, right? See, Melinda's already done it. Too many teenagers, right? <laughs> Plugging them out. God just says, just hand it to me for five minutes. Can you just hand it to me for five minutes and you just rest? That's what he's trying to say. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Do you know what happens if a sheep falls in a stream? It drowns. Why? The what? The wool, right. Sheep, if you don't know anything about sheep, they've got wool on them, right? Do you know what you do with wool? Do what? Make sweaters, that's right. And so think of, and socks, right? And blankets. So think about a sweater, it's made of wool. Think about putting it in a, a bathtub or a sink and getting it wet and a washing machine and, and then picking it up. What does it feel like? It's heavy, right? So think about a sheet with all that wool on it falling in the water. It, yes, they are. And so they get heavy. They can't get themselves out. And so it says he leads them beside still waters, quiet waters. Um, in other words, a small pond. So if they do fall in, they're not going to get swept downstream. The shepherd can come with his staff and pull them out. And we'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> he restores my soul. Have you ever been upset over anything in your life? Anybody been upset this week? Okay. Three of you. The rest of you are lying. Okay. Sometimes we just need our soul restored. I love how the psalmist in many places, he says, Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so upset? Why are you so distraught? He goes on talking about his soul being distraught. And God wants to come in and restore our soul. You know, a lot of times you can get sideways in marriage with your husband or your wife. You get ill toward one another about something. And really, the, the bottom line probably is your soul is, has been stirred up and you, you take it out on your spouse. Well, we tend to do that, don't we? We tend to take it out on the people closest to us. We take it out on the husband or the wife or the kids or, or the dog or the cat. The cat's smart enough to go hide. The dog just stands there licking it. Hit me again. Hit me again. Don't get me started on dogs and cats. But God wants to restore our soul. Because he knows that Without that, we're going to be irritable and ornery. We're not going to be a good witness of who he is in our lives if our soul hasn't been restored. How does God restore our soul? We just simply pour it out to him. Just, just tell him everything. He already knows it anyway. Just, just tell him everything. This is what's going on in my life. This is how I feel. This is what I think. You just say anything you want to to God. He's not mad. He's going to listen. Okay, okay. And eventually after you told him all that stuff, right, and gotten it all out, 
You'll hear him say something to you like, okay, I got this. Okay, it's going to be okay. He comes in and restores our soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. A shepherd is not going to take you down the wrong path. The Bible says there's two paths. There's the broad path that leads to destruction and the narrow path that leads to life, eternal life. Right? There's a broad path that leads to destruction, evil, bad things. And there's a narrow path that leads to everlasting life and good things in your life. The shepherd is not going to lead you down a bad path. So if bad things are happening and, and you're creating bad things in your life, you're on the wrong path. Or you're following the wrong shepherd. Yes. You know, God wants us to stay on the narrow path. He wants the best for us. A shepherd wants the best for us. Why would a shepherd say, hey, let's go down this bad path and do some bad things and hurt some people and hurt ourselves and hurt others? A shepherd's not going to do that. Jesus is not going to do that in your life. He's going to say, this is the best place. This is the best path. Follow me. Why? For his name's sake. His name is written on our hearts, the Bible said. It's, and, and we call ourselves Christians, which means we're a follower of Christ. Jesus is not going to lead us down a bad path. And everybody said, well, look what Jesus did to you. He led you down a bad, a bad path. It's for his name's sake that he leads us in paths of righteousness. That is right living, right relationships. So Jesus wants to lead us in a path that leads to right living and right relationship with him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, we often get confused on that valley of the shadow of death. It's not really a, a great translation. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. A better translation would be the darkest valley that I can walk through. So take death out of the equation for just a minute. It's not talking about death here. It's talking about walking through a dark valley. I know some of your stories. Some of you have been through a dark valley since I've known you. Haven't you? Some of you have been through valleys that are darker than others. Right? Some of you have been through valleys that weren't quite that dark, but it was still a valley. And if you have any life on you, if you have any years on you, you're going to walk through those different types of valleys. There's going to be some valleys that are not quite as dark as others. And some of them are going to be like the psalmist said, the darkest valley possible. Now what happens to sheep in a dark valley? So you walk along, you come through this valley and it's, it's dark. You can't see where you're going. What could happen there? You could fall. You could, you could not see where you're going to step the next place and fall off in a hole somewhere. Fall down Hit your head on a rock or something, right? You can't see. Or something in the valley could be hiding to come out and attack you like a wolf, right? So dark valleys are uh, kind of scary places. We don't want to go there, but the Bible says, look what it says. It says, even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you with me. So even when we're going through the darkest time in our lives, the darkest day of our life, the shepherd says, I'm still here. I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't gone anywhere. I know many Christians ask me the question, where was God when dot, dot, dot? 
And they'll fill in the blank. Where was God when this happened? And I always say he was right there. He was right there. He was right there. And sometimes we choose the darkest valley. And sometimes the darkest valley happens because of life. Life just happens. And sometimes we go through the darkest valley because the enemy, our, the evil one, Satan, comes along and creates it in front of us. There are many reasons why dark valleys happen. Jesus says, as your shepherd, I'm there in the darkest of valleys. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Right? That's what he says. Your rod and your staff give me comfort. Okay, so a shepherd carried two instruments with him. He carried a rod, which was like a stick or a staff, like a cane, but it had a knob on the end of it. Okay? And what do you think he used that for? He beat the pudding out of whatever came up to attack the sheep. Right? That was his rod. Right? He had a knot on the end of it, and when the, the wolf would come or some animal would come, he would take that and chase it off. <coughs> he would chase it off. The staff had a crook on the end of it. You've seen the staff, the shepherd's staff, right? See them a lot at Christmas time. What was that used for? What? Exactly. It was to rescue the sheep out of the water or out of a crevice that it had fallen into to pick it up. It would wrap around the sheep and pull it back up. And so the sheep are saying, his rod and his staff, they give me comfort. I know what, what the psalmist is saying. I know that if I fall down in a hole, Jesus is going to come rescue me. We know the story of Jesus telling the parable of the shepherd who left the 99 sheep with somebody else to watch them and went and found the one sheep and came back rejoicing, you know, put it on his shoulders and came back and said, I found my sheep, I found my sheep. That's how much God loves us. That's how much Jesus wants us to be found and, and, not, and not be heard. He rescues us. And it says right here in the psalm, it, it makes me happy to know that no matter what valley I'm going through, if I fall in a hole, Jesus has got the ability to pull me out of that hole. If someone attacks me, Jesus is going to use that rod to attack them. It gives me great comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, what in the world is that about? How many of you, after you've had a fight with somebody, right, want to sit down and have a meal with them? Come on now. How many of you really want to do that? You want to, you want to get out of the way. You want to leave them alone. You want them to leave you alone, right? You want them to go somewhere, right? Sometimes it's not nice where you want them to go. Come on. Be honest. Be honest. But the Bible says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, the shepherd prepares a meal. And everybody sits down on the ground and eats the meal. All the sheep get the picture. They're sitting out eating, so to speak. And all the wolves are around. And God says, I got this. I'm going to prepare a meal <clears throat> in the presence of your enemies. The people that want to attack you, I'm just going to give you a meal. They're going to sit outside and watch. Right? They're not going to be able to bother you. You're going to be able to eat this meal in peace. They're not going to harass you. They're going to call you names. Right? 
prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's just beautiful. It's beautiful. He feeds us in the presence of those who want to kill us. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, what does it mean to anoint someone's head with oil, a sheep in particular? Anybody read that this week? So, you know, dogs get fleas, right? And when a dog gets a flea, what does it do? Right, scratches, right? And it's got four legs, and it can scratch all over its head, right? When a cat gets a flea, what does it do? It scratches, and it can scratch all over its body, its head, and everything. A sheep can't scratch its head. I mean, think about a sheep with a leg. <laughs> think about, he can't get there. He, he just, he, he doesn't have a thing to, you know, to scratch his head with. And so the bugs apparently get on the sheep. They know to go to the sheep's head because he can't scratch it off. Well, there are certain bugs over in the Middle East that attack a sheep's head. And they're so vicious, it makes the sheep want to ram his head into a rock or a tree or a bush, you know, to make it stop, to make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. Have you ever said that in a prayer? Right? Make it stop. And so the shepherd anoints the sheep with oil, just oil, like olive oil. He takes it. You're going to enjoy this. He rubs it in his head. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See? Oh, yeah. He's, he's asleep oh, now. He rubs that oil all in his head, and it sends the bugs away. And so the sheep's going, oh, man, it's not bothering my head anymore. He anoints my head with oil. To get the bugs out of my life. Right? So that we're not constantly beating our head against a wall. That's not going to go anywhere anyway. Right? He knows my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <clears throat> Someone has said goodness and love are like two sheepdogs. You know, the sheep dogs keep the sheep where they're supposed to be. The dog goes this way or goes this way and corrals the sheep and keeps them on the path. Wherever the shepherd's going, the sheep dogs are always there following along, making sure they get to their next destination and they don't wander off the path too far and get hurt. The Bible says that God's goodness and love will follow us. So here's the picture. You're a sheep. We're all sheep. Jesus is leading us. But Jesus is also following us. He can be in two places at one time. He can be in as many places as he wants to be. We know that at one time. But for our story today, the shepherd is in front of us, leading us. And the shepherd is behind us with goodness and love following us. Not with meanness. God's not up there trying to hurt us. He doesn't use the rod on the sheep. The rod is only reserved for those who are enemies of the sheep, people who do harm. His goodness and love are following us always. That's just a beautiful picture. Wherever you go in life, you know, if you can find the shepherd, and sometimes it's hard in this world to find the shepherd's voice. It really is. So many voices out there. But if you can tune in and find the shepherd's voice and follow him, then you always know the shepherd's behind you, following with you. You know, we're reading, as a church, family, we're reading the book of John through the month of December. And so each day corresponds to a chapter. Tomorrow is, what's tomorrow? 
Exactly. And so John chapter 10 is a story of what? Anybody remember? Anybody remember John chapter 10? Well, you will tomorrow if you read it. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it is today. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. It goes right along with this message today. So guess what that is? John chapter 10 verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for the shepherd, and the sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. God knows your name. He knows your name. He knows your name. And he calls you by your name. When he's brought out his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus therefore said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who enter in come before me. Where all, who, all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters in through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus says, have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Do you want life and have it to the full? Jesus says, I'll, I'll offer it to you. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus died for your sins. We talked about that last week. Jesus died for your sins. And what he wants you to do is to believe in him. Be a Christian. Be born again. Trust in Jesus. He wants you to do that because he wants to be your shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus laid his life down for all of us. He died for our sins, and he rose again. Now I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay my life down, only to take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay my life down and authority to take my life back up again. This command I received from my father, that is, Jesus died and he rose again for us. He chose to do that for you. Are you trusting in him today? Are you trusting in Jesus today? So tomorrow is the 10th, chapter 10, read chapter 10 and give thanks that Jesus is our shepherd. We shall not want. Now, are you ready? Barbara's got something she wants to add to this. So Barbara, just come on up here and, and add what the Lord has put on your heart. Thanks, Jim. I'm back there beaming because I was actually in Israel in March seeing shepherds leading their sheep and hearing their voices and how they have, each have their own call. And so it just comes to life, you know, the words on the, on the book, on the page. 
And last week I was in a concert and it just kind of pricked my heart. I wanted to share from this book. I think I've been able to share a lot from this book in the past year. And there's something about the, the, the announcement of the angels to about the birth of Jesus that I wanted to share a couple of little things. The whole page, and you can come borrow it if you want to, but, but um, in one of these pictures, and I have a video at some point of, of a shepherd, you know, leading in the, in the foreground. Cave looks like they had they would stay at night in a cave. The shepherds, the sheep would go in there, so that's kind of a story later on. But two points I just wanted to read from this book, so excuse me while I take my glasses off and read it better. <laughs> the book's name is Sorry, A Visual Guide to Biblical Events Fascinating Insights into Where They Happened and Why They Happened. So it talks about in the b- village of Bethlehem, which is where the shepherds were, the angels came to them, and Jesus was born was well known for its grain fields. In most parts of Judea, the narrow valleys that wind between the mountains provide limited space for the field crops, so not so in the areas just east of Bethlehem. Here the valleys open up and widen, allowing farmers to plant acres of barley and wheat. While that precious grain was growing in the fields, the shepherds with their hungry flocks were required to keep their distance. But following the harvest, the shepherds were invited to bring their animals to the field to nose through the stubble in search of kernels that followed through the hands of the harvesters. In return, the flocks left behind posits, deposits of manure that fertilized the soil in advance for the next planting season. Pretty cool. Shepherds tending their flocks in these fields received the remarkable announcement of the Messiah's birth. Why did the, the angels bring this announcement of the new king to the shepherds? And it talks a little bit about that, but I, I want to go to the, the better part of it. It talks about um, the, the angels could have appeared to shepherds who lived anywhere in the promised land. Why did they come to the shepherds watching the flocks in this particular field around Bethlehem? There was something very special about the fields east of Bethlehem where they were used to raise a very unique set of animals. Historically, these fields were where the temple shepherds cared for the animals that were used for sacrifices in Jerusalem. That is powerful. Historically, and it's, it's, it's gone through the, the Jewish tradition. So... Um, in that case, we find the announcement of the angels taking on a new meaning. For the lambs over which the announcement of Jesus' birth was trumpeted, the lambs destined for the sacrifice at the temple were about to find their true purpose as the symbols of the Lamb of God. Who so would take away the sins of the world? No wonder these shepherds returned from the manger praising God and glorifying him. They realized that the angels had come to announce the birth of Jesus to them in this field for a specific reason. So, it's powerful. And I just had to share that to y'all because... Yeah, it's cool. Thank you, Barbara, for sharing that. Uh, we're going to be sharing more as the as we head toward Christmas. Uh, some interesting facts. So, thank you, Professor Barbara, or Rabbi. Jesus uh, died for us. He rose again for us. We take the Lord's Supper to celebrate that. The Bible says you do show forth the Lord's coming, right, by taking the Lord's Supper. So another reason we take the Lord's Supper is saying that Jesus is coming back again to receive us. So let's share the Lord's Supper together this morning. 